What's Swinging Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Steel Mace Nation podcast. I'm Fred Moore. Today's podcast is with the alchemist, Jamie Pinto. He's in the studio to have a little chat, and um, we talked about some fun stuff. We talked about uh, his music with Desert Hands, and we also talked about his coaching, Steel Mace Flow, and we learned a lot about where he got his music influences from, uh, what he likes to eat, uh, his philosophy on life in general. It's going to be a really good podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get to it, I want to shout out to our sponsor, Ongo Energy Spray. It's a caffeine spray. Three sprays in your mouth delivers 75 milligrams of caffeine. It beats out pre-workouts. It beats out coffee. And the fact that it works almost instantly, doesn't give you the bloat, won't give you heartburn, won't give you coffee breath. Uh, and essentially, you could just get right to work and do your training or uh, a long drive on the, on the road, whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, if you're going to take caffeine, you might as well know how many milligrams you're taking and uh, why you have to pull over to use a bathroom or whatever. So if you are a fan of the show, there is a code. It's a discount code of SteelMace25. You type that in to when you check out, and you get your spray delivered with 25% off. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, everybody, what's up? Uh, here comes Jamie Pinto right to you right now. So um, before we start recording, Jamie, we got right into a little discussion with our engineer, Christian, over here about uh, your music and I was really interested in having you come on to obviously talk about Steel Mace, but I am really digging your music. And I like all your music choices that you put on your Instagram videos. And as you can see, every time you post something up with a, with a new band, I'm like, ooh. And then I put it in one of my videos because I'm just inspired by it. But uh, you were just saying some interesting stuff. And I'd like to just backtrack again. You said that your band is how did you say is four different mountains from different, like four guys, four different mountains from different points of the planet. Yeah. And you're trying to, well, not trying, you are making this band happen, collaborating, but it requires a certain detail of what would you say? Um, cooperation step for me, it's been stepping back. Um, like, if you can understand the dynamic of like the fellowship of the rings in Lord of the Rings, like those are all different energies coming together for one single task. Yeah. And they all have to like adjust themselves to get to that, you know, to, to make that task happen. So to me, that's, that's a big part of the dynamic of this band. Um, and it's been a, it's been a growing experience for me. Um, of, just stepping back and just like having less input per se like just being like okay i know that these three riffs are going to spark something and now these three people are going to like do their thing with it and i just have to kind of like rather than be like well no do this do this do that it's like we're in the past i would have had a little bit more direction for everybody this is this is me just like backing up and being like i i don't want to interfere with any 
part of that process that's going to happen naturally and organically. That's a conscious decision that you made based upon what you saw happening of, of working with these guys, or did it just sort of happen like that? Um, both. Uh, I think I was going through. I, I was when when Desert Hands formed. I was going through, uh, you know, a, a change and a transformation within myself. Because um, that was Desert Hands formed because Witch Fist kind of was on hiatus and going to sleep, um, and uh, the bass player and myself from Witch Fist wanted to, you know, just keep playing music, keep writing stuff, and um, we just kind of went off on our own for like two months and just started writing our own stuff. We tuned our guitars like way down. Mm -hmm. So we would sound completely different from Witch Fist. And um, we just started writing some riffs, what, what we always did. And um, we put out an ad on Craigslist for a drummer. And, you know, a few people hit us back. And we also put the word out from, from some people that we knew. But everybody was, everybody was pretty busy. And um, usually, you know, if you're... If you're pretty good at drums, you're probably going to be in like two or three bands anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody we talked to was pretty busy, and um, yeah. So um, Eric just answered an ad off Craigslist, and we got together. And that first time that he played, it was just like, okay, yeah, this will click, this will work. It felt good. Yeah, it was just yeah. like this will work, you know, like this is this is. He's a different drummer than I was used to playing with, but I could see that I, w that I was like, this person's going to make me do stuff out of my comfort zone that nice. I'm usually not akin to doing. Yeah. So um, this is going to be this is going to be an experience of, of, of growth for me and, and Matt, the bass player as well. And then the singer that came on, um, I'd never been in a band with a singer, um, screamer guy like that. So that was that was a different dynamic to um, to incorporate. So I was just like, oh, I can I can definitely write some some heavier, more aggressive stuff if this is the the style that he can bring to the table. Yeah, which is there was you know parts of that that I definitely wanted to incorporate as well. So there's just been a lot of um, there's just been a lot of growth for me in this band um, musically and stylistically and. Also, as a guitar player, like stepping back and not flexing, <laughs> it takes it takes a lot of restraint as a guitar player to just step back and be like, "I'm just gonna play to the song." Yeah, you know, because there was a lot of parts in Witch Fist where it was all about flexing between myself and the other guitar player. You mean like a little bit of a just like each of us trading off leads yeah. here and there, a little competitive between the two of you, or I mean. Just Healthy competition. Yeah, right. That's what you I know, mean. Like yeah. we definitely, we definitely pushed each other that way. Right. Um, but you're content now with this band to just say, you know what, I'm just gonna kind of step back and let it flow. Yeah. 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 Um, now, was it when you um, started working with these guys? Like you said, that the drummer, you, you recognized that working with him would push you out of your comfort zone. Is that something that you were more or less comf comfortable being uncomfortable, or were you sort of dragging yourself, kicking and screaming into that? 
Like, was that a tough transition for you? No. You were ready for it. Yeah. Now, were you ready for it uh, as because you were going through changes in your life anyway? Yeah. That kind of primed you for it? Yeah. Because I'm sure at a younger point in your life, you wouldn't have been ready. Like, most of us would get that hard-headed kind of like, no, it's, it has to be like this. Well, I, I think it came. It comes down to this this thing in life where it's just like I had an idea of what I wanted, right? Yeah. But life always doesn't give you what you want. It's going to give you what you need sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, like, Eric wouldn't have been, like, my first pick as drums for the band. But I recognize that from where he's coming from, this band's going to sound vastly different than what my idea of it was was to be. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, that's, like... My, my first perspective is eliminating expectation. It's like, this is what I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Well, if you can just let that go, it can be way higher than that, too. Yeah. And just, like, kind of, like, trust the process and give into it. You so, have to trust the process, yeah. but there is a little level of, what's it going to be? I hope it turns out good, right? You gotta, you're taking a little bit of a risk now, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But do you feel that doing this is m more refreshing for you than being so on top of everything and trying to create exactly what that image is in your mind? Yes. Um, it's freeing? It's very freeing yeah. um, because it's given uh, the bass player, Matt, a chance to really shine. Um, and he he really shined in, in Witch Fist as well. He did a lot of, like, there's part of that Witch Fist album that he did on his phone. You wouldn't even know they did it on his phone. What do you mean? There's there's songs on the first Witch Fist album that he did on his phone. Like recorded? Everything. But no kidding. Yeah, you'd be like, wait, this is all done on a phone? Wow. Yeah, he's just he's just naturally gifted that way. And um, Who needs a studio anymore? Yeah. Um, so he uh, he's really, really come out a lot in Desert Hands with um, production and just like little aesthetics and things that I would have never thought of that adds so many layers and textures to, to a song that um, it just ends up looking like a very detailed, intricate painting at the end. There's so many little things on that album, so many little little tracks and layers that, that make it sound so full um, that we're actually, we've been able to incorporate that into the live experience. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah where we're actually um, incorporating all the little layering and stuff that that is on the album into the live experience right now so it'll sound that full live right so we're trying to reproduce exactly what we did in the studio to everybody's ears right in front of us oh that's fantastic i'm definitely gonna be checking you guys out yeah you know philly area right yeah. so but we're gonna we're i mean this we've been you're gonna play the stone pony maybe we've we've been consciously not playing shows this oh, okay. entire time because we don't have any merchandise we didn't have any merchandise to go out and promote and sell and just be a band right so without any music online my point of view is well you know you can go do some one-off shows here and there just to like get in the groove of playing shows and stuff but if you're going to go out for four or five six days at a time mm. 
You need merch. Yeah, definitely. You need T-shirts. Yeah. You need an album. You need pins. You you just need stuff. Yeah. So I was like, there's no point in going out and doing that because it costs money to do that. Right. So um, if you're going to try and break even or make money off of it, then you need stuff to sell. Mm-hmm. And you need stuff for people to remember you by. Right. So that's why the, this this band's kind of been in the closet the entire time until this uh, this album is has been ready. Yeah. And it's been it's been a long process um, getting this album finished because um, the person who uh, engineered it and, and helped produce it, his name's Steve Paponi from Gradwell House Studios in Haddon Heights, and Matt and I, uh, the bass player, have recorded with Steve probably about ten times, I guess, and we just we just work very well together. It's but, important. Um, he he's. He's been the tour manager for a band called Hop Along, and also um, is just producing other bands at Gravel House as well. But when he goes out on tour, that's like months of like no engineering work getting done because he's away on tour. So it's just like a lot of it was. I think the album was done um, probably early this year. But it was just Steve getting caught up and getting back and getting everything finished, and like some some vocal sessions for you know additional vocals and stuff like that. But everything was so spread out that um, it was just such a long process. So it's it's been a long time coming this album, and um, I'm just and happy that it's, it's finally done. And it's going to be out on October nineteenth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is awesome. So. Does the process of, you said it was like spread out, the recording process. Does that change how the album sounds, how it feels? Well, so all the instrumentation was done in a weekend. Okay. Like, boom. Right. Drums first day, bass second day, guitars third day. That's tight, done. man. That's good. Done. Yeah. And, um, and like a lot of layering on top of it as well with, with each thing. Like, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of bass effects. Matt uses a lot of bass effects and stuff like that. And then, uh, like, it was just, like, a gap in time for, like, probably six to eight months before vocals even started to happen. And then vocals happened um, sporadically. And then Matt, in between uh, all that time when, when, when vocals were happening, would go in and just do layering stuff, little, little right. effects and things that he would record on his phone like yeah. you'll, you'll hear it there's a lot of like it's it's definitely like a listening experience that you put headphones on and listen to versus uh, yeah. just like you put it on and like zone out to it right, like, right. it's just like background music it's like no you can actually put it on and like hear all these little things happening underneath the stuff that's out front that sounds awesome uh, i'm really excited for this yeah so now the um you basically were were saying that you know you you kind of had to let go of the process a little bit. Yeah. Let it just happen. Mm-hmm. So you're describing your your recording process. How there was like a gap with the singing and everything. Was that one of the areas where you kind of had to just say, you know what? Got to be patient. Yeah. And Otherwise, you would have been very frustrated. Supremely frustrated. Right. Supremely frustrated. But at the same time, like I've had a lot of stuff 
happening in my life mm-hmm. um, between now and then. Yeah. So I've <laughs> steel mace coach, right? Right. Like one of the top so in the I, world. I, uh, I'm just a dude, man. <laughs> I know you. Um, I know you're just a dude, but you're a damn good steel mace coach. So I, I had things to really keep me preoccupied. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that helps a lot because. Um, uh, the, the the whole reason why I actually went into fitness was so I could continue to play music. Because if I didn't, I could have been caught in a career that just like sucked all my time away, and I, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to be available to play music and right. essentially have the energy or drive to play music. So but yeah, you were doing construction, right? Yeah. yeah. So the, Ro- road I, construction. Yeah, roadway yeah. construction. Yeah. So in I, the Northeast, road construction means. You're out in the elements. Pretty much, it's either hot or it's cold out. Yeah. I don't. There is no in between. And it's any time of day. Yeah. Like yeah. you'd be working from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. or you'd be working from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. It just, Alongside a, a road with cars hurling past at yeah whatever miles per hour doesn't matter. They're like two tons each. It's enough steel to to blast you into pieces. Yeah. And all those cars whizzing by, like just disturbing your your mindset, right? It's it's a, just a different it's a different life, yeah. And it can be it can it can really take a lot out of you, because um, it's honestly what I did was a lot of waiting around. I would have to wait around and, and check a lot of people's work and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Probably not a healthy thing for your mind, right? Well, you're a creative guy, and sitting around, you're just getting to your own head, right? Well, the thing was, I actually I, I I used each each moment that I had while while I'd be sitting and, and waiting, I was researching. Oh yeah, yeah. I've always been like a sponge. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm always searching for things that I'm interested in and retaining knowledge from it, and just trying to. That's burn and that's grow. really good, man. You're, you, yeah, I do that at the firehouse. You know, between bells, I'll grab my phone and I'll read something or yeah. I watch videos. I watch Jamie Pinto videos. <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, that's that's a good way to like there is no such thing as as just sitting around doing nothing it's right really not to yeah me. take like, advantage of that like rollins that one rollins quote is just like there's he's like there's there's only go time yeah and i firmly yeah, yeah. i firmly believe that um i've always been in like go time yeah. like it might seem like i'm sitting there just playing on my phone like zoning out but i'm i'm in depth like i'm researching yeah. I'm, I'm digging for something right um and I, I, that's that's how I got my fitness education. Like, I got my fitness education in downtime at my construction job. Nice. I studied, like, I, I studied for my certification, the books that I read, everything. Like, a lot of it was done while I had my downtime yeah. at work. And it was just like, either I could sit here and just, like, blah, or I can sit here and be productive right so i did I, w- I sat there and i i was productive with what i was doing because i had a goal and i had a mission so i did it and you're uh nasm certified right nasm yeah. mm-hmm. did you did you study that text yeah while you were on your downtime yeah wow man yeah there's a lot and I, that's, that's that's not easy no it's it's not because it's not how i learn i don't learn from reading and retaining information I learned from doing stuff with my hands. Yeah, I yeah. always have, right. and like actually physically doing a process and retaining that, pr- retaining that that step by step thing that I just did. So, um, it was really hard to get through that course for me, but I did. Yeah, just cause I was like, I'm gonna do this, 
other people have done it. I can do it. You know, it's, right. it is what it is. So I just did it. Um, but I don't, uh, I don't, I don't miss, I don't miss those nights of sitting in my car with a flashlight, reading my NASM book <laughs> in yeah, between, right. in between when I have to check some, somebody's rebar wiring on the side of the road. Uh, yeah. You know? Right. So, but I knew that was just a moment in time as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, you know, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, a few minutes ago about letting go and going on this process, a journey and not having an expectation because that's 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 uh, a key element there and um i'll share with you something that just popped through my head while we were having this conversation and i learned something from you about that because i'm big on following your journey and i don't know where it's taking me yeah it's not taking me to my expectation but it's going to take me someplace better Absolutely. you got to have faith in that process yeah. um it, but it's interesting I used to uh, prepare for the podcast with a bunch of questions, and then I learned I can never get to those questions because the conversation just sort of went on its own way. And while you were explaining that to me, it hit me in the head that, you know, you're not going to be able to ask everything you want in an hour. You're not going to be able to have that conversation that you expect in your head. Yeah. And just go with the process. So I said, you know, if I'm, I want to learn something from every guest that comes on the show. And that's what I learned from you today, to just let the podcast be what it is. Yeah. So, um, you know, for everybody listening, you know, I we like to, as a coach, right, you're, you're helping people besides just movement patterns and having the correct form. You're also helping with their mindset, right? It's a process. Trust the journey. Just be part of it and, and in the moment and experience it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if yeah. you could, if you have downtime or something like that, use it wisely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I know. I know a bunch of people who are always either stuck in the past or the future, mm. and they're just never really tuned into today. Yeah. And like, what are the little clues that today has given you? You know, um, it's nice to reminisce. Yeah. You know, it's nice to have nostalgia. Yeah. And it's nice to dream hmm. about what could be. But there's a delicate balance in there of if you dream of I need it to be this and it doesn't end up being that, are you going to be unhappy? Yeah, your dream didn't come true, right? right? So it's like instead of, instead of thinking like, oh, when I get to this, my life is going to be complete, you have to think your life is already complete. Like, every day that you live, every day that you get to wake up and do what you're doing, you're complete. You know, you have to, you have to realize that, and you have, to, you have to be present in that, because if you're not, you're going to miss out on these little things that help propel you forward. You know, if you're, just, if, if you're just stuck in the past all the time, or like, those were the days, or this was the time of my life, you're just missing out on all the magic that can happen right in front of you. But it's the same thing if you're always looking to the future, like, that's when I'm going to be happy. That's when I'm going to feel worth something, or that's where it's... Right. You're never going to get there, because when never. you get to that reference point in time, in the future, you're still thinking about the future. Right, but so then now you, you, blow actually, you look back, and you're like, God damn, I wasted so much time thinking about when I get here. Yeah. And it's just like, and now I'm here, and I still feel like that, you know? So, yeah, right. It's, I've had a lot of moments like that in my life of, 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 of uh, turning back and turning forward, but 
getting lo- getting getting lost in the present. Yeah. And um, the past few years have been me uh, learning to be very present. And um, it's funny because I've I've <laughs> I've had that lesson just burned into my brains uh, quite a few times in life. And it's it's like oh yeah, I have to remind myself again like right now this moment. That's what matters. If, if you're not paying attention to this moment, then you're not invested in it. You know, your mind is off someplace else. Right. Yeah, very so, good. Yeah. Yeah. And as a musician, um, how, how long have you been playing guitar for? Um, I started playing guitar when I was... I started playing bass when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and music kind of found me. Um no, I, actually, I can back up farther than that. Um, I started playing piano when I was three years old. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in my first piano recital when I was three years old. And um, I uh, I got up in front of a bunch of people, and um, I told them that I was going to play the song Mississippi Hot Dog. If you know that song. It's a very simple song. But I was three years old. I got up in front of a huge auditorium of people and played it, and everybody applauded and I was just like oh this feels really good wow Um, so I played piano until I was probably about six and um, I I picked it up again for two more years I guess when I was like 10 or 11 Um, and that that whole time frame were you still continuing playing in front of people not as much I think I might have done I think I might have done one more recital mainly my sister was the piano player and she was the one doing recitals but um Piano just wasn't really my instrument. Yeah. It was hard for me to sit there and, and have the discipline to practice. It just was. I, w- right. I wanted to be a kid. Yeah. I wanted to run around in the woods and be an animal. Right. That's what I wanted to do, you know? Um, and it wasn't until... It wasn't until that, like... I remember the first time I saw Jimi Hendrix playing guitar. And... Um, he was playing Purple Haze. Yeah. And it was a live performance, and it was so loud. And it like, it's like his guitar just just sounded like a like a fucking tornado. It was just like, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 just yeah. like, and I was like 11, 12 years old, and I was just like, who is that guy? Because I kind of lived a little bit of a sheltered childhood. I wasn't I wasn't re- really exposed to that much. I didn't have I didn't have cable. I didn't have MTV. When I would when I'd watch MTV, it was it would be at some other kid's house or something like that. Oh wow. So, um, yeah, I was a little bit sheltered and a little bit cut off from, from um, pop culture, I guess you could say. But I, I'll never forget that the first time I saw Jimi Hendrix, there, uh, something just got sparked in me. And um, a few years later, I got, um, do you remember the, the Hendrix album, The Ultimate Experience? Yeah. Yeah, that was my first Hendrix album. So that's like, that's like your crash course in Jimi Hendrix right there. Like right, all yes. Of, all of his major hits. Right. And, and and recordings off of his studio recordings. And um, that was kind of like the start of my education for music. And That's uh, a good start, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> right? is, because like, even, back, even, even then, there was something when he would play guitar that just evoked something in me. Even though I couldn't play guitar, it just, right. like, it just made me vibrate inside. Yeah, yeah. And I, now I know what it was. I know exactly what it was. It was the sound of him turning on his one pedal 
or his two pedals at the same time. It was him turning on his fuzz pedal yeah. and him turning on his Univibe pedal, which is which simulates a rotating speaker, a Leslie yeah. rotating speaker. Right. Yeah. It gives you that sound, so it sounds like it's pulsing through you when you listen to it in headphones. Right. Um, and that that became really evident to me um, like the first few times that, that I tried like LSD and psilocybin and stuff like that because your auditory sensation is like through the roof. So when I would listen to it then, it was like, you know, it was just like my whole being would be vibrating. Like my whole light body was just yeah. like. So that, the, the whole mentality of, of him just really kind of like sunk into my being of just like being very experimental and um, not having it be perfect, but having it be authentic. Yeah, yeah. And um, th- that, like I said, that that just his whole point of view with life and music, just that that's I adopted that, and I've used that with everything I've ever done. Yeah. Um, I wanted. I'd rather have it be authentic than be perfect. I think that's such a good point. You're, and now I'm just thinking about all his music. Um, and, and like, yeah, the, the recorded albums, you know, he's in a studio, whatever, um, still m- not essentially perfect, but a lot of his other stuff, like where you see him play live and... It's dirty. Yes. It's super dirty. And and it's not perfect, but not it's... Not the least bit. At the same time, it's perfect. Perfectly yeah. dirty. Because it's him. It's him, yes. And it's authentic. That's the best way. Yeah. And that's the best way to be as as any individual doing anything in life. Yeah, you know, uh, steel mace coach. Be authentic. Don't worry about, you know, trying to be like the other steel mace coaches. Be yourself. Yeah. You know, podcast. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Music. Um, you want to be a motivational speaker? You can do it. You know, don't say, "Well, I can't because there's already good motivational speakers out there." Are they all authentic? No. Mm-hmm. Some of them aren't. They, yeah. they want to be perfect. They yeah. want to sound perfect. Be authentic and show your mistakes and make that actually part of the, the package. Yeah, because it shows you're you're human. Yeah, you and know? people uh, that's endearing. Yeah, that's endearing. You know, like it's like wow. You know, I'm not perfect either. Yeah. and he's up there, playing stuff and yeah, making this whole whole audience bounce and yeah, and gyrate and whatever else they're doing and sweat. Yeah. It's awesome. But that, like, to me, that, that, that was his thing. He wasn't looking to be perfect. He was always looking to push himself further. Yeah. And when you're trying to push yourself further, you can't worry about being perfect. You're going to make mistakes. You've got to make mistakes. Yeah. And there's, there's I, I had, I mean, before the internet, I had every live recording you could possibly get of Jimi Hendrix if you went into a record store, CD store. Uh, bootleg CDs, like I, I had them all. Yeah. And there's t- there's tons of performances where he just wasn't that on. But there was still some magic in what he was doing. But the times when he was really on, you can't compare it to anything else. Yeah. Because you're you're seeing somebody, you're seeing somebody grow and develop in the moment yeah. that made everybody else grow and develop years later. Yes. But you're just seeing it. You're seeing the actual moment that it was happening. You That's, know, so that like, seed was planted. Yeah, yeah, you're seeing the genesis of it all. Yeah. Like, and we were lucky enough to have, you know, video and sound equipment that could capture that, just like you're doing right now with this podcast. You know, you're you're capturing a special moment in time of all these people picking up on Steel Mace. Right. So, kudos to you, my friend. Well, thank you. You know. Thank you. 
So this is interesting, though, your influences. Uh, so is Jimi Hendrix, like, your, your – so he's the guy that got you going. But wh where did it go from there? Like, what bands um, – I could tell that you have a wide, almost eccentric kind yeah. of, like, um, appetite for music. You'll listen to – Everything. Everything, which, yeah. which I think most playing musicians do. Like, yeah. they could adapt to almost – It's just the color to me. Like, it's – it's it's a color that you can put on in, you know, what's the thing that artists the the palette. Oh, the palette, yeah, palette. yeah. It's a, it's it's a color to put on your palette to create with. Like if if you're not if you if you rule something out, like n there's nothing worthwhile in that for me. Then you might miss something really good in it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not into hip hop really, but there's been there's totally been hip hop artists hip hop artists that have. Been, that have inspired me or influenced me to do something. Like who? Public Enemy? Um, like, like Jay Z. Yeah. Okay. You know, like there's when when you listen to like Ninety Nine Problems. Yeah. That I'm um, if if you if you can't listen to that song and be like, this is fucking amazing, just just because you're like I'm a rock guy. It's just like you're totally missing out on like what could take your music further. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, things like, like, I'm not into country music at all, mm -hmm. but like, how could you, how could you not appreciate Johnny Cash or Willie Nelson yeah. or yeah. Hank Williams? Like, mm -hmm. like, there's just so much out there to, to listen to and be influenced by, but there's also like, I mean, I, I have a whole library of like indie bands that nobody's ever heard of from you know the the mid two thousands on, and even like the mid nineties on. Um, it's you never know where you're gonna pick up some sort of influence, so you, you just have to have your ears open musically and and just try and find the next thing. Like I, I'm, I can go through music pretty quickly, so. Um, I don't know. I just absorb it and go on. But I always keep like I always definitely come back to certain things as well. Your favorites, and yeah. But I would say like all the classic rock stuff, like Thin Lizzy, Led Zeppelin, like it's just anything classic rock you're gonna name, I'm gonna be like yeah, absolutely. Right. Anything eighties you name, I'm gonna probably be like yeah, absolutely. Nineties, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like yeah, there's. I, I I don't know what my how big my library is musically because it's all over the place with music with with records CDs and just various like MP3s like spread out over you know a laptop and everything else so uh, eclectic would be the right word yeah for my, my choice of music yeah that's um, awesome and and you um, you know like I've I've said when I see you have a new post on Instagram my my thing is okay a Probably gonna have some good music. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some more yeah. music added to my library about right now, yeah. and also I get the cool video with it. Yeah. Right. So that's that gives it the whole experience. Moon Tooth. Wow, man. Do, you guys, you did some gr that one section that <laughs> you, that's the favorite part of your album. You said that one piece yeah. is epic. Yeah, because that's I get goosebumps when I hear it. Right. It's so good, and then I notice that. They're probably a lot like you and and the rest of your band in a way that they bring in all these weird inf not weird different influences. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean weird. Um, I heard in one section it was almost like '80s glam rock. Yeah, yeah. 
And I was like, oh my God. And and like I wasn't a big glam rock guy. I was always like into heavy stuff. And yeah, like, yeah. you know, back in those days they wore makeup and I was like, well, I'm, uh. but yeah. I noticed all the chicks like them, so I listened a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But um when I heard in that Moontooth tune that little bit of glam rock, I was like, that's what that was meant for. That's yeah. what it was meant for. But it's so cool that they could go back and pull that influence yeah. and pop it in there and make it work to a whole new genre of music. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, to me. that the, that band, those are some amazing guys. I've I've been on, I've been on a few like short uh, tours with them, and they're 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 amazing people. They've stayed at my house. They used to stay at my house every time they come through Philly, um, and they're just each one of them is an amazing person. Yeah, um, Nick especially the guitar player. He he also plays in Riot too. So if you ever if you've ever gotten to oh, Riot. Yeah. Yeah, get into Riot. You okay. Would, you would like Riot. Then you'd see where that 80s guitar rock influence comes from. Really? Okay. Like, oh, now I get it. All right. Yeah. Um, they actually do a lot of touring overseas and stuff like that. Not as much in the States uh, for Riot. But, yeah, you'll, as soon as you listen to Riot, you're going to be like, ah. Now, is that is that because over in Europe they're more into, like, the 80s style stuff? Yeah. They're, like, they're going through, like, a retro kind of thing? Yeah, I mean... And what about Japan? They, I think oh, they, they're huge in Japan. Yeah, but huge. That's big stuff. They sell out there. stadiums in Japan. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. The the thing is, like, the way that we think about music in the United States is far different than the world thinks about our music. You know. What's that like? What are, what are they? Doing? We 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 take our music for for granted here. Yeah, yeah. We really do. We we don't. We don't value it the way that the, the rest of the world values it. You go down to Brazil, those people know how to value music. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, new album, blah, blah. Like, we just, everything's kind of throwaway to us here. Like, oh, this is old. This is 20 years old. This is past. But it's like, this is a fucking gem. Yeah. Like, you're just, you don't have your ears, you know? Um. So, yeah, just, just that. Like, I think... Uh, like it, like Riot especially, when you see them play live, it's like you're seeing like you're the um, like the epitome of like a stadium band get on stage and just move around and oh, just really? like get the entire crowd into it. Yeah. yeah, which is not something you see in the states anymore. Really. Right. That's that's like you think of like the mid '80s yeah. being that time. The arena rock yeah. era, yeah, but that still happens around the world. Yeah, I noticed that in, really in here. South America with yeah. a lot of the heavy metal bands, rock and Rio. Yeah, I mean the 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 fans down there for metal are huge. They're like it's rabid like animals, religion. man. Yeah, they're yeah. so pumped, and and they get such good video mm -hmm. um, of the of the crowd and like just animals and. Yeah. And chicks right up there on the front row banging their heads and uh -huh. stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Slayer and yeah. Sepultura and yeah. all these heavy bands, and they just love it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they they play in the United States, but, yeah, I it's noticed. It's not the same. It's not the same like it used to be. It's not the People same. People are, like, like kind of, like, just standing there. It's just, like I said, it's it, it just comes down to people don't value music the way that other people do in the rest of the world. And I just think it's it's a product of we just we have whatever we want here now. Yeah. So it just it just seems like ah blah. Just you know, I'm gonna listen to the next thing. It just doesn't seem like val like music has the value that it used to have here. Yeah. Because there's just there's there's so much to take your attention now. 
there's so many things to do, you know, if you live here. You can pretty much whatever you want to get into, you can go and get into it. You know, whereas 20 years ago, all the things that people are into now didn't really exist, some of it, most of it. But music was always there. So, and if you go back even further than that, the people who, who, were, who, were, who were influencing forward thought and progressive thought outside the norm were artists and musicians, you know? Right. And, like, that's continued. Um, there's, there, there still are people that are, that are talking that in the music industry, but there's also a lot of jerk-offs. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. <laughs> but uh, I, I just think that um, since back then there was more people kind of, like, being that forward forward thought and, and, and speaking their mind and, and kind of like pushing us forward in, 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 in the way that we view life and the way that we live life, music had a different value to it. Whereas there's not a lot of people that do that now. So um, it just takes a little bit of value away from music. Yeah. You know? But I mean, at the end of the day, music is music. It's it's there to inspire you however, however you want. If you want to zone out and listen to music, you can zone out and listen to music. If you want to listen to music and be inspired to change your life, then you can do that too. It's like it's whatever you think of it. Yeah. Um, and, and how do you feel now? Um, how that works with Steel Mace? Because um, well, the the way it works with, with Mace for me is because. Um, the steel mace is just like playing guitar for me. Um, it's an instrument. Mm-hmm. And if I can riff on mace the same way I riff on guitar. So, you, like, like there's, I posted one video, and they, they actually, um, they flagged me for the music on it. And um, I was, I always try and pick music that's not going to get flagged. Yeah, that happens to me too. Yeah. Because um, a lot of music I like is, is mostly obscure, and I, I'm like, this won't get flagged. Right. But it was a uh, it was a Mega Drive song called Acid Spit, which is a great song. And it's like I was listening to, I was listening to that album while I was while I was riffing. Yeah. And it's just like it's me. There's no there's no trippy effects on or anything. It's just me like, and I'm looking in the mirror at the one room that I that I coach him, and I'm just riffing for like probably a half hour straight. And I'm doing all this different stuff, and t- to me, that's that's the same as picking up a guitar, riffing on it, and finding riffs to make a song. Right. That's what I do with Mace. I, I basically riff with things that I know, and then I start to try and go outside those lines. And you know, I'm gonna mess up a little bit, whatever. But I have to push past what I know to create something new. Yeah. You know. So that's same thing with guitar it's, it's hard to reinvent yourself all that, the time yeah it's very hard that's interesting um like you know when i hear people say something like um not not that they're haters but let, let's t- let's take you know heavy metal just for example people say that oh, all sounds the same to me and i'm like well you're then you're not really listening you know uh, yes they're they're hitting some of the same notes and everything but when they're riffing they're Adding in a little nuance here, a little detail there. They're 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 doing something that's unique to them. Mm-hmm. That's where you're supposed to be looking. And it's the same thing with a mace flow. Yes, yeah, I'm doing a sword swing. 
you're doing a sword swing. They're all doing sword swings, but we all do them different. We all do them different. And then where does it lead to? How do you get to it? What happens next? It's there's that nuance, that slight difference. And sometimes you see some fabulous things, and you've got to wonder like, where did that come from? And it's the same thing with a guitar riff or anything else. It's yeah. just that it's in the detail, and you have to pay attention and and not just blow past it. Yeah, I can. So here's here's a good example. A guitar player's vibrato effect yeah. is very distinct. You know. Um, B.B. King's vibrato effect compared to Albert King's vibrato effect compared to Jimi Hendrix's vibrato When you say effect. vibrato, you're talking about when, when you wiggle on the string yeah. with your finger? You can, you can hear B.B. You can, you can King's vibrato effects for two seconds in a song. Be like, that's B.B. King. Yeah. Same thing with Jimi Hendrix. You can be like, oh, that's Jimi. Same thing with, like, um, like Zach Wilde or Eddie Van Halen. Like, and... That that just comes from me being a, a guitar player and a guitar lover, um, and I, I look at the same way that people throw around a mace. Like I can pick up on all the little nuances of how they do things, and yeah. like I'll do deep dives on people. Like I'll I'll zone out on their videos for like quite a little while, and I, that's that's the part that I enjoy the most because I see I see the patterns that they're comfortable with, and I like that because I'm just like oh that's their thing. Yeah, and then I see where they can push on the edges of the walls and, and, and break into another room. Right. You know, and that's, that's my favorite thing from, from watching everybody develop on their own because it's just like, I can understand where they came from. So where they go um, is really interesting. Part of the journey. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're watching their journey happen. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I really do like watching people's mace journey happen. Um, even even the noobs, like I, I I really enjoy watching the new people pick up on the more nuanced things like sword swings and, and like doing like the executioner flow and stuff like that and that that just makes me that makes me really happy. Yeah. You know, to see them pick that up without without having ever been coached, you know? And then when they get coached, um they they everything becomes like so much smoother and like uh, more focused and more concentrated. Yeah, and yeah. you're seeing that happen as you're c continuing to coach people. You're you're bringing in new people and just exposing them to a whole other level. Um. So. This year, actually, I believe. Today. T today may be my year anniversary of being Steel Mace Flow certified with honors. Oh really. Yeah. Today. Today. I think today might be the day. Well, happy anniversary. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. This You've time. been carrying honors for a full 365 days and many, many more days yeah. to go. This this time last year was Leo's first certification in Long Beach. Okay. So I was at that one. Yeah. And um, that's where I got mine with honors. And then after that is a month later, I went down to Onnit and did the Onnit Steel May certification. Um, and then a month later... Uh, I did Leo's online certification for a month. And that that's the one that actually really helped me, going through his online course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suggest if, if anybody's done Steel Mace Flow or done the, um, the one-day certification, go back and do the course. Yeah. Like, it, there's things in there you're missing, and I can just tell you from experience that uh, going through 
Leo's course twice in person. There's things that, there's, there may be a few little things in the online course that will help you develop new flows or, or push you forward. So after I did the month-long certification, that really set me up to coach. And um, I started coaching in January. And I had, I had a class at the gym that I was working at. Um, I, had, I was a training director, but I had, um, I had backed down from being training director because I didn't want to sell training packages anymore. I wanted to coach. Um, was this a, a, a regular gym or was this like a box gym? Yeah, it was, it was like it was it's a box gym. Okay, yeah. So, um, and like backing up from that, the only reason the, the reason I took that job was because that was my transition out of construction. Right. I was a trainer at that gym for a year and a half before that. So the training director had resigned. So I jumped in the seat. So it's just like if I jump in the seat full time, I won't have to work construction anymore. So, so that was my transition. Yeah. And I had been in the chair a week and then went to Leo certification. So um, I started coaching Steel Mace Flow in January, and I had, I had a mobility class on Wednesdays at 5.30, and I just, I just switched it to Steel Mace Flow because in November, I was telling the group fitness instructor, head group fitness instructor, what I was doing, and she was like, nobody knows what this is. Like, I don't, this isn't gonna yeah. do well. <laughs> And I was like, and she was also like, you don't know how to market yourself. Like you have, you have no marketing skill. You don't know how to approach anything. She kind of, she kind of tore me down. She gave you a little yeah. wake up slap. She did. She did. But, um, honestly, I, my eyes just, I just, my eyes, I just glazed over and just stared at her and was just like, you're very out of touch. Yeah. And I'm going to show you how out of touch you are. Yeah. And then, you know, within two months, I had the cap on people in that room was 10 people. I'd have six to 10 people in that room every Wednesday at 530. Super psyched to be there. How did you get them? Um, they just, uh, uh, like two or three of them were my clients. And then other people were just like, you got, you got classes for free with your membership. So I had like, I, I had what you call like, the, the class frequents, the people that just show up to classes because, like, they don't know what they're doing. Right. Like, at all, fitness-wise. So it was just, like, you would get a few of them. Mm -hmm. and um And then there was people that were just, like, that's the guy that does that thing. Yeah. Now he has a class. I'm going to go check that out. And the thing was, like, most of the people who thought they were really fit they fucking died in my class. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would die. Yeah. And then they wouldn't come back. <laughs> right. Because they'd like, they're just like, that was that was too fucking hard. Right. And it's yeah. just like, no, you're just doing the same shit all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you do leg day once a week, yeah, you're going to fucking die in my class. Because yeah. this is leg day every day. Exactly, yeah. You know? Right. So it was funny because most of the, the guys, the guys that would show up to my class, I think uh, some of them would get their ego bruised. Mm-hmm. Because the the girls would would hang longer than the guys could. The thing was, the girls had a hard time doing like arrows and and, and uppercuts and stuff like that. But they could lunge. Yeah, they could lunge for days with me. They would sort of they would they would tap out too. But um, 
at first my classes were nonstop, like a vinyasa class. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had to dial it back a little bit. Yeah. Because I was like, and I thought I was being pretty nurturing while I was doing it. And I was. But um, there was no break in my class. Like I viewed it as, as, as a yoga class. Like you come in and from start to stop, you're moving. For 45 minutes. For an hour. For an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people would be like at the end of class, basically like drop. Yeah. But I would, I, I would barely be out of breath. Yeah. Because I didn't like the thing was, I, I realized how to breathe very early on, because I grew up with asthma, and I was, I had plenty of moments in my life where I was gasping for air just to stay alive. Yeah. So that that kind of, that taught me how to breathe, and I didn't even realize it. So I, I learned how to breathe while I move, kind of indirectly. And I thought that if I, if I led a class that was kind of like a vinyasa-style yoga class, that it would be interesting the entire time. There wouldn't be any gaps of like, oh, I'm bored, or you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Or uh, anybody to lose attention. But I realized that that actually did make make people lose attention towards towards the end because they were so fucking gassed. Right. They're just trying to hang on. Yeah. So like anything survival I'm mode. Yeah. <laughs> so like you know the last like the last 15 minutes of class cuz I'd always end with like the last 10 minutes I'd stretch everybody out but the last 15 minutes like the last 5 minutes to that stretch people were pouring sweat just like oh my fucking god when is this going to be done. Yeah. And I think that 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 turned off like 50% of the people that came to my class because it was like, I am not, not nearly in shape to do this. Right. But then some people were like, well, shit, this is the real deal. Like, I didn't know how out of shape I was until I did this with this 10-pound mace. So yeah. then some people just stuck with it. And they were like, that was their barometer for like how much better they were getting in like fitness wise like oh i can hang longer in this class so um that i had that class going for a few months at that gym and at the same time i was i was i started doing classes at charge with charles mm. and um, i was doing classes there on tuesdays and thursday nights and uh like i those those classes were more intimate i'd only have like one or two people in those classes so i could really um focus on one or two people and and teach them a lot and like i gave them homework and stuff um and so. you you got them to buy their own aces so yeah they could do, do yeah. their homework well they were just like two of them were just like i'm really inspired by just you in general so i, I bought a mace yeah so i'm like yeah. all right awesome so i'm gonna give you homework now uh and so yeah like that class was going on for a while and I had the class uh, in Maniac going on for a while. And uh, then I added another class uh, at this other gym. It's, it's like a CrossFit strongman type gym, more like strongman uh, orientated. Right. And um, I started doing classes there as well. How was that received there? Steel Mace Flow you, you were doing. Yeah. How was that received at a strongman <laughs> joint? So the funny thing was, like, I, I did an intro class with all their coaches, yeah. right? And uh, 
We're just like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this thing. Da-da. And they all collapsed. So these are all they guys all... and girls lifting Atlas stones, it was, deadlifting, yes. Yes. friggin' doing yes. shit with chains around their necks, and they think they could chew, chew through steel with their own yeah. teeth. And you strong people. Yeah. Like I see these people yoke six hundred pounds, like you know, the with the racks and stuff, like walk that fifty feet. So it was an equal number of, of women and men for the coaches yeah. for that first class. And every one of them just collapsed. Like, just by the end, we're just like, oh, my God. Did you deliver your same style workout, or did you ratchet it up just Not a little bit? Not at all. Okay. I, same way that I would teach the other classes. Yeah. There's no, I don't – I'm not, like, I'm not like a sadist. I'm not, like <laughs> – I'm just not that way. Like, yeah. I, I'm not looking to, like I, – like, I, 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 I lead class the way that – I would want to walk into class and be led, right. which means I want to be nurtured and I want to be educated. Like I didn't pay money to come in here for you to kick my ass. Yeah, right. life already kicks my ass <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm not super fond of trainers that are just like, oh, I fucking kill people. I'm just like, there's a lot more than killing people when it comes to fitness. Like, yeah, you need to take people to the edge of their ability and just push them a little bit. But like, if, if that's, if that's your main thing, like I kill people, yeah. like no, yeah, it's stupid. It's, I just feel like it, it defeats the purpose and that can turn a lot of people off from fitness. So sure. I didn't want people to be turned off from steel mace flow. So I approached it like, this is a skill. <clears throat> and if you can learn this skill, it will permeate every other skill that you have in fitness, including barbell work. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I approached it with the strongman gym. I was like, look, if you can, if you can think about this 10 pound mace like a barbell, then it's gonna give you way better form when you do your barbell work. Um, and that was a lot of, that was some of the stuff that I taught in that first class, but a lot of it was lunging and stuff like that. And those people just don't lunge. No, right. Never. Um, so that's when they fell apart. And then after that, they were just like, I think they were just kind of humbled by what the practice was. And, and, and the, the owner, the one owner there, his name's James, super cool guy. He's a veteran. He was just like, this reminds me very much of Taekwondo. Like, I, I want this here. And I was like, yeah, awesome. Let's do it. So I teach two days a week there. And um, those those people that come to those classes are actually my most dedicated students. Oh, really? They all have their own mace. Yeah. Um, they can all do the level one stuff. Um, now I, I run those classes as like the same way that I ran classes in the beginning, um, except they're far far more difficult. So it's like we'll come in and we'll 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 do mobility for about you know ten to twelve minutes. And then I'll set my clock for like a half hour. And for a half hour, we'll do a 360 flow into like um, different parts of the masterclass flow. So it's like I'll do 50 360s one side, and then boom, we're into night shield until I see everybody's legs are starting to feel it. Then boom, we stand back up, uh, you know, 50 360s on the left side. Boom! Into warrior walk. I do that until I start to see everybody like, okay, their their legs need a break. Boom! You know, fifty three sixties back on the right. By the time we're done, it's like we've done like six hundred three sixties and almost every flow, right? Or, or like at least half of the stuff out of the master class flow. This is very interesting, and I'm glad you're sharing this because I think um, 
that would have been one of my questions coming up to you. You know, for Steel Mace coaches, what do you do with uh, a class that you've been training for a while and they pretty much know most of the stuff? Like, how do you add on to it? And it's how you drill them is what you what you chose. Yeah. How, I'm going to set up these different drill patterns, give them a break uh, with the – with the 360s, you know, let them work their upper body, and then we'll get back into a flow. But for them, they don't know really what you're going to throw at them, yeah. and it keeps Different them challenged. Yeah. And you get to know, you get to watch and see, well, this guy's good at this, and she's good at that, but they're not good at this. So let's work more on that area. You can develop your drills yeah. to tailor to each class. Yeah, you can. But, um, so actually where I got that whole AMRAP, thing was at the end of the on it steel mace certification that's what you do okay you do a half hour amrap like that except it's not like it's not like steel mace flow usually it's just like 20 of these 20 of these da, da, da. this is just like the only reason i do 50 360s each time for each side is to kind of like mentally keep count of like okay we did 600 360s that class. so it's just yeah. like when i tell when i tell the class like guys when you when you when you go for your when you test out with honors, you got to do 500 360s right into the masterclass flow, and their eyes go, "Oh, I could never do that." And I'm just like, "I'm going to show you how you can do that." Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't think you can do that? We just did 600 360s in almost every flow for a half hour nonstop. Right. Don't tell me what you can and can't do. I'm showing you what you can and can't do. Get that shit out of your head. Yeah, like. All your limiting beliefs, put that shit aside. That's, there's no place for that here. It's like this is a place to go past all that stuff. That's awesome. So, um, you know, it's it's part of that. It's it's part of like taking people past that. I can't. Oh, I don't know if I. It's like no, no, no. That's not what this is about. This this is about. This is just as much as about your mindset as it is your fitness level. Like, get lost with your breath. Don't worry, I'm keeping count of everything, and just follow me. So they had to get to that point. Like, that, there was a lot of me, like, like there was a lot of classes with those, with those individuals where it was just like, all right, you're going to be doing this. Cool. You're doing that. Now I walk over to this person. You're going to be doing this. Cool. Then I walk over to this person. All right, and you're doing this. Then I walk back to the first person. How we doing? All right, adjust this. Da -da -da. Cool. I walk over this. How are we doing? Okay, adjust this. So it was like I really took a lot of time molding each one of them. Yeah. Because I wanted them to be able to follow me, and that at the to me, when when people talk about like, well, how do you you know you can you can only coach so much, and it's just like what you're trying to do is you're trying to coach your students to be able to follow you into the depths of flow. And to follow you into the depths of flow, they need to know all of the level one stuff. So if they know all the level one stuff and you just go into these level one flows for a half hour of 360s and flow, that's a fucking workout. Hell yeah. That most people will fall apart. Yeah. You know? So it's like that gives them a sense of like, empowerment of like wow I, I hung with my coach that entire time and that was not some easy shit and um, I didn't think I was going to be able to do that but they do you know so um, like 
I'm 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 at a crossroads right now of like the people who have been showing up consistently and and developing and and getting really good at what they're doing to the point where I don't have to like say uh, you know adjust your elbow adjust your knee adjust your foot they can just follow what I'm doing and the 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 definitive factor of that is they can all do 360s on both sides. At first, I didn't teach 360s like in class. I saved 360s for private sessions. Yeah. Right. Because I was like, it takes a whole class to teach a 360. And then some people, when you start teaching 360s, you, you start to get into deeper stuff with people. You just do. Yeah, that's a good know? point. I was just working with a client yesterday who it was my second time going over 360s. And the first time they did it, they did it way better. And the second time, it was like, what happened to you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he kept saying something about his shoulder. I'm like, did you hurt it recently? Since He goes, no, it's just the way it's always been. I said, well, why was that not a factor last week? Yeah. And he goes, I don't know. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. So I'm sitting there watching him, and I'm thinking – I guess he's it, his own head is in the way. Yeah, he he didn't know what he was getting into with the first one, so it didn't matter. And now he was thinking about it, and you know, as after learning it myself, I'm thinking well, it's not that hard. But I got to take that out of yeah. my head and yeah. think about what this person's thinking. And like you just said, you start getting into other things. Yeah, and it, a lot of it could be mental, not even physical. Yeah, a lot of it is. I I find that. Um, you know, I mean, we're we're gonna go off on a tangent here, but go for it. I uh, that's, that's why we do this. <laughs> so I I I'm a firm believer that you hold ten, you hold traumas inside your body throughout your life, and um, you know, we all we all acquire traumas. They're all they come in different shapes and sizes and forms, and um, that can make you stiffen up. You know, parts of your body. And um, to me, much of this practice, if not all of it for me, has been shaking all of that loose off of me. And also, um, the things that you just generally pick up, it's really hard to go through life and not pick up energy off people and interactions. It's, it's virtually impossible. You know, somebody's going to have, you're going to leave, you're going to leave some, something with, with fragments and remnants wherever you go. Mm -hmm. So to me, when you see me do all my stuff, I'm shaking it all off to, you know, basically the, the purest expression of myself, which um, comes with a whole lot of flair. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, you've showed that. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I just look at that like you should have a lot of flair with yourself. Like you should there's, – there's so many things in life that don't let you celebrate who you are that put a lid on you like no be in this box and i have it, i have been been breaking out of the box the entire my entire existence mm. just like and no so you're breaking out of a box and going into another box that you have to break out of all the just, time you're just finding yourself breaking out it's yeah. now this is a normal pattern for you yeah all the time and um not like it not everybody can do that. So a lot of people can can get so um, so fragmented and 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 so uh, 
so weighed down by the things that that have that have caused their traumas and stuff that they just become bound up and um that's what i mean when when you're getting into like deeper stuff with people um and i find it with like a lot of like hip opening stuff right you know like opening your hips is like it's a very vulnerable position you know and that can be really hard for a lot of people to get their hips to open up like that or or straighten up their spine or something like that and um that takes like you know a little bit of patience and definitely some nurturing and some coaching skills as well because when you start to deal with like um these things of like oh i can't i'm not comfortable with that da, da, da. that's when you're getting into like okay th there's something deeper happening here so let me like let me try and figure out how i can help this person like shake off this trauma or whatever without being like a shrink right now right you know what right. i mean because i'm not a shrink yeah right I'm, I'm i'm a coach yeah but um sometimes a, a coach is better than a shrink I hate to say it. Yeah, you know, it's, I, it's whoever people could relate to. You yeah. know, I mean, if you're going to go into an office to sit down with, like, you know, some lady or something that you don't relate to or guy, right? And you're just looking, and it's just a clinical type thing. But sometimes your coach becomes your your best friend, somebody you could confide in. And um, I've had coaches all, over the decades, and I'm a big fan of having a coach for almost anything. You know, go to somebody that knows what they're doing. And uh, in the process of working with them, you could confide in them, mm -hmm. you know. And I think they're a lot. It's it's just a lot more approachable. Yeah, definitely. Because it's like, okay, this you know, this person's definitely been through some stuff in life, and um, you know, it's it's real life skill versus if you go and you sit on a couch and you talk to somebody that's dressed in a suit and they have a you know a book out. It's just like, yeah. well. To me, that gives me the impression, like, it just gives me the feeling that, like, okay, you're just categorizing me as, like, that you're this. Mm -hmm. When it's, like, I know for a fact it's just, like, you've never worked a 7, a, a 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift on a road crew out in Western PA and just going through existential dread the entire time. So how can you possibly understand what I'm saying to you right, right now if you've never gone through that? So when you talk to somebody that's been through similar things like that or has, have, has lived through some hard times and found a way to get through it, it's a lot easier to talk to somebody like that and relate to them and, and, and actually confide in them and, and, and take their advice as something that has value. Yeah. You know, versus just like, oh, you need to do this, da da da, and here, take this medicine too. Right. So, um, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily think that therapy is like a bad thing, um, but it can come in all shapes and forms. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's what I think some of, you know, teaching Steel Mace Flow is. It's it's you're being a little bit of a therapist some, sometimes. Yeah, that's really cool. That you, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know. Yeah, I don't know if there's like you know personal trainers out there that get annoyed by that stuff or whatever, but I don't know. But there are. Probably there are. You know, it's like I'm not here to be your whatever, but uh, the fact that you're at least open to it, I think you're more than open to it, though, Jamie. I think you're, you know, that's part of your 
genetic makeup, but if you're open to it and you just realize that this is just a person you're working with here and you could you could add value to the coaching beyond just the you know physical you know that's that's huge yeah that's huge i and i think i i believe steel mace coaches out there are in a great position for that and that should be something that they should at least be open to yeah yeah i agree um and it, it you know it seems that um a lot of the people that are in steel mace flow are people that have overcome something huge you know they 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 overcame some trauma some some stuff in their life that was really rough and practicing steel mace flow has has made them has empowered them and um they're all very unique people like yeah every one of them has a story to tell and um it's it's just I don't know. I mean, you could say the same thing about some people that do like powerlifting and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that have you know changed their life and you know turned it around stuff like that. But how many different how many how many different nuances are there in powerlifting? Like you can lift the dump, you could lift you could deadlift one way. Yeah. You could squat one yeah. way. You know, like right. there's little 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 things with hand position and elbow position and, and foot position that's gonna be different with everybody. But um it's like you can't you can't see you can't see where, where people came from like you can with, with somebody like throwing around a mace. Like when you watch like Leo throw around a mace versus like Serena throw around a mace versus Jeffrey Oaks throw around a mace. You can tell like they've all battled some different stuff and like they've all come through it in a different way. Yeah. And they're, it's just like that their movements are their story. Yeah. How they got through it all. Right. You know? And, um, yeah. Just that. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. And you mentioned, Leo and Serena and Jeffrey Oaks and I'm just thinking how you know Leo has got to be one of the most graceful mace guys out there it, you know some of his stuff I mean he is literally dancing and it's he is he is literally like, and it's and it's like his expression is is just like he wants to be in, at peace he does he know? does but like the thing is if you've if you've ever done like a deep dig on Leo on, on YouTube you can go back to a time where Leo was not so graceful and you can see how much work that he has put into every little millimeter of his movement. Yes. And when you watch him now, I see that, I say that Leo kind of moves in between matter. (laughs) The good. I like that. Um, and that, that's something that I'm striving for is to be able to essentially bend time, look like I'm bending time while I move. Yeah. Um, and you know, like you, nobody starts out this, this journey perfect. You start out and it's rough and rugged and you're finding your way and you're just like, you may hit yourself a few times and I'm sure you've hit yourself a few times. A few. Yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> I actually have a few scars. Yeah. I've, I have a pretty, pretty gnarly scar on my left shin from a sword swing. Um, I've tapped myself in the face with the ball end right there. Nice. That does not feel good. Um, anybody, so anybody who's participating in, in lights out, 
Uh, I, yeah. I suggest that you move within your capacity. It didn't happen while I was in lights out. It actually happened when I had my blindfold off and I was just messing around out back. It was later at night and I wasn't, I wasn't in my gym clothes, nothing. I was just at a friend's house in my casual clothes, just messing around with my mace and um, just experimenting. And it came up and I just came out, came around. And I didn't have my hand right here. And uh, yeah. So that doesn't feel good. Um, and I'm lucky that it was kind of like um, decreasing in speed as it came up, but it still knocked me pretty hard. And my thought was, because um, I've been watching The Walking Dead for the past few months, like, man, when, when they hit a zombie in the head, like their head just explodes. So if that mace was traveling just a little bit quicker, like that could have really fucked up my skull probably. Hell yeah. Yeah. So. At least giving you a good uh, set of stitches. Yeah, yeah. So, and a story you have to keep telling until the stitches go away. Right, right, right. A made-up story. But <laughs> How you got jumped in an alleyway or something like that. Yeah. No, I would, I would definitely, I, I will definitely own my mace kisses. Like, <laughs> okay. no problem with that. But um, just going back, like, th this, this thing is like, it's hard. It is, it is hard to do this mace thing. It will test every bit of you. Um from your physical capacity to your mental capacity. And um, like I, I'm I'm I've I don't view myself as being very talented like at anything. I just view myself as being able to work very hard and outwork most people. So that to me is my strength. Like I can put in a lot of work to something and stay very focused and very dedicated to it. Well I consider that a talent. You know, I, I just some I just, people just get burnt out from they push themselves and they just somehow they can't catch themselves and, and, and recuperate and they yeah, just you're right. they just and then they get so exhausted they can't keep going. Yeah. I you know? like so it might be a form of a talent. You're right, right? you're right. Um I just How do you like, do that? How do you do it? What's your uh Because I've sucked at a lot of things. Like in my you know, in my early twenties and stuff. Um just trying to find a job was very hard for me. Yeah. Like, I wasn't good at anything. I really wasn't. Like, I, I, I bounced around to so many jobs, and I sucked at everything. And everybody was just like, this kid's a fucking idiot. <laughs> but I was a guitar player. Yeah. That's what I was good at. Yeah. I was good at playing guitar and writing music. Like, I was really good at that. But when it came down to anything else, I didn't have any skills at anything else. So everything I did, I was just like... Um, okay, I have a lot to learn here. So it wasn't until I started getting, like, some tools in my hands, some carpentry tools, that things started to kind of take shape for me. Because then I, then I learned, like, whatever I do, it's got to be with my hands because that's what I'm good at. I'm good at doing physical work. So um, that's kind of where, where, where this all stems from. But, um... I knew that, okay, if I can find something that, like, that I can work at and just work at it and work at it and work at it and get really good at it, then that's something that most people don't do, you know? Like, not a lot of people are just like, oh, I'm just going to, like, do this thing that seems, like, kind of weird and and go for however long I can with it, right. you know? And I saw, I saw, like, Mace as an opportunity to be, like, Nobody else is doing this, so 
I know that I can I can I can work a lot with this thing and just develop pretty quickly with it if I if I spend a lot of time with it. And I don't think that um I don't think that my development with it has been very quick. I think it's actually been pretty slow. It t- it it took me I feel like it takes me longer to learn things on Mace than, than than for other people. The only thing that I do is I just work with it really long. You know, like I'll 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 play with my Mace anywhere from like 2 to 3 hours a day. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's huge. But it's like sometimes I can do it all at once. Sometimes it's split up throughout the day. Right. But if I if I don't if I don't pick up my Mace for a day, like I just I, I just happen not to have the time to have any time to myself that day, I will feel it the day after that, like mm-hmm. like a little disconnected for the first half hour or so, and then I'm just like, okay, I can get back into it and yeah, get back into the groove. But I actually really enjoy like the process of getting lost in that in in that in that work. I yeah. guess you could say because that's where you find. That's where you find the little bits of gold, you know, that propel you forward. It's the same thing with like playing an instrument. If you, after you riff on a guitar for a really long time, and then you get frustrated, put it down and pick it back up again, that's when that one note appears. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, oh, there it is. That's the thing that just transformed everything. Yeah. You know, that's what I was looking for this entire two hours. That one note. Right. That's gonna change this line into this. So. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I noticed that before uh, with myself and people I work with. If we stop, take a break, talk a little bit, take you know, take your mind off of what it was that you were just doing, and then, okay, let's go back to doing that again. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's like, it looks better. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a, a, I don't know what it is, but it's a, a pattern shift in your mind. You know, you your brain just changes what level it's working on. Yeah. It has the power of recall. You just did it, mm-hmm. you know. So that's enough to. Now you're on a different groove. Yeah, it's a great way to to execute things, and it's a great way to teach a client something. Yeah, especially if they seem like they're getting frustrated with something. Yeah, I I, I definitely have had people get super frustrated with something in class to the point where they lose it completely. Yeah, right. and I'm just like, okay, let's let's back up, right? Where did this start? Like. Where's your starting point with this whole movement? Go right back to that, okay? Boom, you nail that. What's your next point? Okay, there's your next point. Nail that. And then you find where the sticking point is, and you're just like, okay, all I want you to do is practice these three steps till you get to your sticking point, right? Practice them for the next five minutes until you don't have to, you don't have to think about it, right? Until you get to that point where you can stop and think about what you're gonna do, do it a few times, and just add it on to those three things until you don't have to think about it anymore. Right. Because people get lost in thought. Just like, am I, I'm doing this, okay, now I have to do that. Uh, uh. It's just like, no, just here's this one thing, do this, keep doing it, until it's just like, okay, now I'm bored of it. <laughs> Once you get bored of it, then yeah. you move on to the next thing. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So, um, and so, like, another thing in, in some of the classes that, that I've done, um, there's been plenty of classes I walk in, I have no plan whatsoever. It's just the pickup of, like, where is each person in this class at? Where did they leave off at last class? Right. So, 
um, you know, I some 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 trainers or coaches would be would would kind of scoff at the at at me walking into class with no program. But my program is to help each person in that class develop. So I can't. It's hard for me to write a program for that class when each person's at a different level. Right. Yeah. So I would just walk into class and it's just like, it's almost like instead of having class be like, okay, I'm going to lead class and you're going to follow me, it was kind of like a meeting. Yeah. So it's just like, all right, I know this person is, their foundation stuff is great. This person needs a little bit of work with their hips on their foundation. This person is lacking some overhead strength, but their foundation work is great. Okay. How do I program for a class like that? You don't. You walk in and you meet everybody where they're at. And that, I think everybody in that room appreciates that a whole hell of a lot more. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing that you could do that. that that's why I said you're uh, such a good coach because, you know, if somebody's going to walk in never really having done mace before and there's like three or four people that have been doing it for a while. It's super intimidating. Yeah, and, and now you as a coach, you're looking at this brand new person like well it's got to be challenging for your current crew and it's got to be uplifting and and make sense for the the person that just walked in it does so it looks like you really have dialed in on that and that's i think what's going to make you stand out for a long time as a as a coach that's thank you really good <laughs> i you can do that i just put myself in everybody's shoes right. like if i walk into class and i have questions there's things that I'm stuck on. I'd rather the coach help everybody in that class with what they're stuck on than just being like, all right, we're going to do this today. Right. That doesn't really help everybody. Yeah. What helps everybody is meeting them where they're at. And each person is going to be at a different place when it comes to steel mace. Right. And, um, like, sure, you can you can make all these workouts or you can, like, like Ben has his fucking amazing the library, library right yeah now, which I, I I'm actually my goal is to next week to crack into it and actually start to like like do some of his stuff out of the library while I'm in lights out so that's very challenging yeah um but uh my like my main and and so what he was trying to do by that is like help people build flow and like learn how to flow right and my angle of coming to helping people create is just like i said before like meeting them where they're at and finding where their sticking points are and trying to untangle them so they can just continue on with their journey and like their autonomy ultimately like i don't i'm not trying to coach people to be like me i will show them some some things that that i favor but I think each one of us is just trying to coach our students to be better than us. I think that's our ultimate goal. That is a good goal. You know, yeah. like if you if you can coach somebody to outpace you, right. you've done a good job. Yeah. You know, you've done a really good job. So I'm I'm waiting for that day. That'll be a really proud moment for me, like as a coach. Like, yeah, this person's far better than me now. Yeah. You know? But um now they're my coach. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Why not? But, like, it's, it's, um, it's, this whole thing is a, is a very, um, independent, uh, journey for everybody. And that, that's kind of why I like it. Because yeah. I, I tend to be 
I'm just an individual myself owning my own space and existence. And to me, that's what you can do with a mace. Yeah, and uh, um, there is a great community. And um, yeah, there is. So you, it, it depends on you. If you're more of an extrovert, you could do, you could, you know, like we had that, that night. In great. August, right? Yeah, Everybody yeah. converged at critical mass. Like, yeah. It's just like we all wanted to hang out with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you're like an extrovert and you want to do that, but if you're not, if you're like a, a lone wolf, yeah, you can do it by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And and you could you could get the the benefit either way. Yeah. Whatever is intuitive. But what's great about it is maybe you are a little bit introverted, but you'd like to be a little bit more extroverted. Maybe getting into steel mace is the way you could find a way to connect with people. Yeah. And and we've talked about this before. I'm, I think, I think I had the conversation with you back in August. Um, that you know, this, as soon as you walk into a room and these are people that you know do steel mace, it's like, well, that whole get to know you package barrier thing that starts when you first meet somebody is out the window. Yeah. Like we're all, we're all like uh, friends already. Yeah. And yeah. It's, the co conversation just is like boom. Yeah. We're talking about all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. You know, the community is is unique. Yeah, it's it, when we when we meet up, I just think of it like we're just playing catch up. Yeah, right. At the end of the day, it's like we already know who we all are, yeah. and we just finally meet up, and it's like, oh, we finally get to meet up and catch up. <laughs> right. You right. know. But in, like, in our in our whirlwind life, right? Yeah. You get to just pause for a moment. Yeah. And I remember uh, you also said, um, like it was like one of the first things we talked about when I met you that night was that your your basic training routine is uh, like heavy deadlifts and mace right is that what you you said or yeah i mean like like because you're a really in shape dude i think a lot of people would like to know like what your routine is for <laughs> i don't really view myself as being that in shape I, I i just i i i do basic lifts just because i enjoy them yeah like strength training yeah yeah but i don't like i don't do any crossfit type lifts like i'll do military press mm-hmm just because I like the way a barbell feels over my head. Mm -hmm. And, like, I have that – I just have that that image, like, that silhouette of, like, you know, like, the Atlas guy was, like, with a barbell over his head. And I just like that feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's empowering. Right. And then just the opposite of that is, like, a deadlift. Mm -hmm. um, and then just, you know, some barbell back squats. Um, not huge into bench pressing. I'm more into dips. Yeah, yeah. That's the same like with me. Yeah, yeah, I like dips. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, for years I did do bench presses, and I always did like incline bench presses versus flat bench presses. Um, but I, 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 um, I walked. I actually walked into like the steel mace game with like a pretty big foundation of fitness already, so that helped. I would say that I don't, I don't do nearly the barbell work that I did in the past because I did barbell work like I do mace. So um, I had a little bit more mass on me, probably like last year um, or even like two years ago. And uh, since, I don't, since I don't lift at that frequency with barbell anymore and I do more uh, mace frequency, um, more mace intensity I should say, that just made like whatever found, whatever, um, physique i had developed it just makes your muscles really hard right you know you just your muscles get like dense but hard. You're, you're also super lean and you're carrying good muscle yeah. so what's your diet like 
Um, so from like 2014 till about 2017, I was vegan, vegan vegetarian. Okay. And I really, really, really tried. I really gave it my all. And for the first year, I was very strict vegan. But then I didn't want to be that asshole that showed up at family dinners. That's just like, I can't eat anything that you made. So I, I switched over to being vegetarian so I could eat cheese. Okay. That was it. So yeah. I just eat cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I can have that mac and cheese, you know? Um, and I was, you know, I was in my mid-30s at that point. So I just, I was actually, I was pretty tired. And I just thought like, oh, I'm in my mid-30s. This is how you're supposed to feel. But I didn't realize that I was like for the for the frequency of weight training that I was doing and the diet that I was eating, I was depleting myself bad. Um, so I just, one day I just switched from being vegetarian to being omnivore again and just having a, a better balanced what diet. What was the first thing you ate? A burger. <laughs> and it was amazing. Oh my God, that was, what kind of burger was it? It was a double cheese, a double bacon cheeseburger from a local um, establishment. It wasn't like fast food or anything. It was just like, all right, this is going to be a good burger. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. I, it kind of went, it kind of put me in a food coma <laughs> yeah, at yeah, first because my body was just like, whoa. You know, we haven't had this type of protein in us forever. For three years. Yeah. yeah. But um, when I started just having a more balanced diet again, I felt far better. I, what I actually felt what I actually felt was I actually felt my testosterone levels come back. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I had, like, so I have a very, like, after that, I understand, like, what 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 a lower testosterone level can feel like yeah. versus a balanced testosterone level. Um, and the other thing was I was not getting the sleep that I needed to get. Um, is that because you weren't able to sleep properly, or is it just because you were no, running it, around like a maniac and both? It was running around like a maniac. I have I have I have a very active social life as well. Like I have friends yeah. everywhere, and I, I have very intimate relationships with a lot of different people. Um, so I try and show up in my friends' lives and, and their stuff. You know, I try and That's be cool. present for everybody's things. And that can get really fucking hectic, too. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I was at that time I was working crazy hours and running around to shows, playing music, just everything. So that really, that was really starting to deplete me and drain me. And this past year, um, I've really made the effort to try and work, work back uh, some of that sleep debt and um, just have a better balanced diet. But I'll be honest with you, this year I've had a pretty shitty diet. Oh, yeah? Kind of on purpose. Okay. Um, like, I wanted to see if uh, if it was diet or training that really mattered. And um, diet matters. It definitely does. But I think it's more training. You do, I yeah, I really do. I, I think it's I think it's what you train, it's how you train, and the intensity that you train at, because, um, like, last year around this time, well, last year around this time, I was just getting into being a training director, and I was working like fifty five hours a week. My my diet was completely off. 
I was just getting over being sick and I lost like almost 10 pounds. But before that, that whole summer, um, I was um, doing mostly barbell stuff and mace stuff every day. And I was having like, I was really dialing in my diet, counting my calories, making all my meals and everything like that. And um, yeah, I definitely had like maybe like four or five more pounds of muscle mass on me and around the same um, body fat percentage. But I don't have, I just don't have the same amount of mass on me, but I'm still at the same same uh, body fat percentage. Right. And I think what that comes from is training legs every day. Yeah. Lunging every single day and moving around with the mace every single day. Um, sprinkle them with some barbell lifts just to maintain like healthy test levels. Right. I think that's, the, for me, that's the formula. Um, that's what works for me. I can't tell you if it would work for anybody else because we all come from having a different amount of time to dedicate to fitness. Right. So, um, me being a full-time trainer and coach, I have more time to dedicate to throwing a mace around and throwing a barbell around and some body weight exercises and stuff like that. But honestly, I don't go super crazy um, with all sorts of movement. I save that for mace. Like I save most of my energy for moving around with a mace versus like experimenting with like, say like, like, like functional patterns type stuff or anything like that, which I think every, there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. Right. Yeah, there's a ton of cool stuff. Th- yeah. we're, we're in like the renaissance of fitness. Yeah. Right oh, yeah. Now. Yeah. Like, you, you, there's no way you could do it all. You, you, yeah. would, you would have to. Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. Yeah. I just pick the mace as my main thing because I'm just like, um, if I, I only have so much energy and time. Right. So if I'm going to master something, that is what I'm going to put my energy and time towards. The barbell stuff, I just do it because I enjoy so when you do barbell work, what does uh, a typical w- workout look like? How many sets? How many reps? So okay. I <laughs> I found that my my approach is very different from most people, and I'll pick like three movements, and I'll hang with those three movements. Say like I'll do carries, deadlifts, and pull ups. That's all I did that day. Okay. But I did a shitload of them. Like maybe like. I did maybe eight to ten sets of deadlifts, followed by six to eight sets of pull-ups, and then I will carry until my lats are just like, yeah, we're done, and I'll pick up the mace for an hour. Nice. Yeah. So, like, an all-around workout for me, like, a good workout would be, like, would clock in around, like, two and a half hours. That's including the mace. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But then there's days where I don't pick up a barbell or anything like that, and I just do a mace for two to three hours. Now, do you believe in... I consider in... that like my active recovery day. Yes, yes, right. Yeah. I've done that before, yeah. And maybe uh, if on a, after doing like some deadlifts or squats, maybe the next day you'll do mace, but not too much with the legs, more upper body. Do you ever do that? No, I'll hammer no. the legs, too. Okay. Um, like... Are your legs able, like, do they feel sore? When you do this, like after I, you do, um... so the thing was, a lot of people would hack me up for overtraining. Yeah, they would. They'd right. be like, "You overtrain." But the thing was, I I had trained so much that to get to that feeling of building muscle, took me eight to ten sets. Okay. Of you know, 
70 to 80 percent right just and just rocking that for time under tension yeah 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 and you know as well as i do like if if you want to build muscle building muscle is hard goddamn work yes like time under tension and and pushing your intensity level like you're always doing it to the point where it's like well fuck i like i didn't even get sore from that so there's been okay so i'll back up if I don't, if my intensity is 50-50 with mace and, and barbell, then I won't get sore. If my intensity is more mace-focused and less barbell, I'll get a little bit sore. But that's the point where I can't do anything. Oh, because you're not doing it enough to stay adapted to yeah. that level. Okay. So you, how, how quickly do you notice that drop off? Like if you were to s switch that gear. Within would, like two weeks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, two so weeks. that's a normal physiological response. But I, like I've been playing, that's my whole year, 2019 has been playing with that. Because the, the more barbell work I do, the more it takes away from mace training. Right. Flexibility wise, like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, you do eight to ten sets of deadlifts the next two days, you're gonna feel it, and it's gonna be harder to do lunges. Like, yes, you're low, you're like, like my hamstrings and my low back and my erector is definitely gonna feel, you know, those deadlifts somewhat, and that's gonna be that's just gonna slow down my movement, you know, it's gonna slow down my motor control. Versus if I didn't do any big lifts that week, I'll be like lightning with a mace, right? So it's a trade off, yeah, definitely, of, you know movement and strength and kind of like enjoyment yeah um, one of the things that i'm trying to experiment with is after i do deadlifts right so you look at the mace's recovery say the next day but how much of that is t actually taking away from your deadlifts in other words like you know you just did some deadlifts you're pretty like beat up from it and the next day you're lunging you're squatting and you know doing switch squats like Am I doing too much now? Because I need to rest properly too. Yeah. And then you got to factor in what are you doing with the rest of your day? Are you going up and down stairs? Are you on your feet all day? It's yeah. it's so hard to really dial in something. And you don't want to waste your deadlift session or your squat session uh, by overtraining. Right. And so. Right. Well, okay. So for me, the, the it's a it, it's a very it's a very easy answer. Cool. I like easy. I back up from it all. And I just think to myself, I am lucky enough to even do this. I love it. I'm lucky enough to even be able to be in a gym each day, train with a mace, and train barbells. I've worked my ass off to get to this point. Yeah. And even though, like, I'm still figuring out my way in this world, in, in this whole fitness industry, in this whole world, to kind of make things work for me, I worked my ass off just to get to this point. And I'm lucky enough to be able to do these deadlifts, these these back squats, right. this mace work. My whole body moves. I have no pains. I have, I have no injuries. Nothing like that. So I don't get caught up on like, oh, this session sucked. Da -da 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 -da. Like, whereas before in the past, maybe I would have hung on that a little bit. Like, oh, I was a little weak today. Da -da. I don't. I don't treat myself like that anymore. I I treat myself in a way more loving way of like. You're here. You did it. You did the best you could. If you're a little weaker today, fucking who cares? Yeah, don't worry who, about it. Who the fuck are you against? <laughs> right. You know? Like, it's not, it's, you know, when people say it's like, it's you versus you. Like, 
I can I totally get that mentality, but my mentality is you should love you. Yeah. Because the world will beat the fuck out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> so, need somebody on your side, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, give yourself a little break. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Like, just be thankful that you're even here, being able to do this stuff. That's a terrific message. Yeah, I don't, I don't get caught up on numbers on barbell or anything like. Like, I don't. I know there's people that lift far more than I do that are doing far better numbers than I am. I don't care about any of that. Yeah. I'm just like. Like I said, I've just backed up to the point where I'm just like, I'm just gracious that I get to do this. And I'm sure you even had the same concept with, with being a musician, a guitar Absolutely. player. Like like a lot of guitar players, especially in the 80s, like who's the best lead guitarist? Like who cares? There's always going to be somebody faster. There's always going to yeah. be somebody like this. There's always going to be, just do you and, and be happy that you're even up there doing it, right? Yeah. And you can psych, like as a guitar player these days, you can psych yourself out uh, really bad because like, yeah. You could just go on on Instagram. There's like thirteen year old. There's thirteen year old kids that will smoke the fuck out yeah. of me playing guitar. Yeah, you know, and I'm just like, it makes me just being like, I fucking, I've been playing guitar twenty something years. I could never touch that kid. He's fucking twelve years old. Right. Who the fuck am I? What have I been doing? Uh, yeah, yeah. But then it's just like, look, they're not you. That kid isn't me, right. and that that's fine because mm-hmm. I'm I'm me. I'm in my own journey. I'm still going to play guitar. I'm still going to create because that's what I do. And, like, that kid's going to create something amazing just like I'm going to be able to create something amazing. Yep. And that's why we do this. You I know? love it, man. So, you know, it like, it, it's the same thing with, with weight training. Like, you might see somebody like, oh, man, that dude just picked up 600 pounds off the ground. I could never do that. This is like, who the fuck cares? Right. Can you pick up your body weight off the ground? Great. Fucking right. awesome. Yep. Like, if you can even just, if you can even pick up some weight off the ground, you've won. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to establish with the guys I work with at the fire department. Like, you don't have to deadlift crazy, but it, proper deadlift form, learn the mechanics, and, like, maybe your body weight, maybe a little less. Like, I, enough that you know that you could pick a victim up off the floor yeah. and not hurt yourself and be out on disability the rest of your career. Yeah. How about that? That's yeah. it. That's a great goal, you know? Yeah. And, or, you know, just feel better, you know? Be yeah. able to feel your ass and know that it's there supporting you. you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. And, it, like, that, that, like, the whole, the whole fitness thing for me these days is, like, just having people understand that they're in a meat suit. <laughs> yeah. When you really boil right. it down, like, you know, you ever, have you ever seen that 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 meme of like it's it's like the eyeballs, the brain, and the central nervous system? Yeah. And it looks like an alien. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're just these aliens operating these meat suits. Well, yeah, we are. Right. You know, and we're still learning about these meat suits, and we're still learning about this brain, and we're still learning about the consciousness that uh, inhabits this. So, like, the least you can do is just like understand that you're in this meat suit and you have to take care of it and you have to learn how to work it because if you don't then your life might be a little bit more difficult right. and there's people out there that don't have full working meat suits and like their their life can be really difficult from that so if your meat suit is working okay and you can get up and you can move and lunge and lift some shit up then you should probably do that because if you don't your life might kind of suck some. Yeah. You know? We are meant to move, that's for sure. Yeah. So just do it, move. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So we're going to, I guess we're going to wrap it up because we're, uh, we're getting there here. Um, so we got a lot of stuff I just want to alert the audience to. Number one, we got your album. Oh, bef before we talk about it, where does the name Desert Hands come from? Um, so that the name isn't anything sp totally special. Um, we we basically came together at, with like five names a night for like a month, and like narrowed it down to names that that were like relevant or had some kind of zing to them. Um, and Desert Hands was the one we agreed on. I think I think some of that came from like the how I how I've kind of like drifted towards like um, different scales out of like the Middle East and things like that. Oh, okay. So that's cool. Yeah, I um, picture in my head like a traveler, and you see their hands and they're like holding a stick, good. and then the 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 camera pulls back and you see the this dirty. Yep wizard-looking type traveler moving right through this, like, this arid area, and the wisdom, and the pain, and the struggle. You were spot on. That's that, what... That uh, is Desert Hands. That's why I asked. It is, it it, I think like, it's a fantastic name, yeah. Yeah, it is like, like, you know, what, have you ever read the book The Alchemist? No. Okay, so if you read the book The Alchemist, when he actually meets the alchemist, that is what I pic picture uh, the whole desert hands name to be like when he meets the person who is the alchemist in the desert and yeah. how he describes what he looks like and what he's wearing and stuff like that i did, i think of desert hands as like an under like a like a secret lost civilization of people like that oh wow okay you know, like those are the like like the fremen in dune yeah okay yeah yeah you know, like yeah people like that right that's what i think of desert hands oh that's cool so that's I, I like the Dune it. reference there too. Dune's one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, yeah, it's I, so. you know what? It's an awesome movie. Yeah, and I'm glad they're coming out with a remake. So. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Next year. All right. I'm gonna go see that one in the movies. Oh, yeah. Along, I I gotta go see the Rambo movie, in the movies, and the Terminator movie in the movies. Yeah. The, the new ones. Yeah. So, but yeah, I love I love the name. Uh, and so you guys are gonna come out with your album on October 19th. October 19th, our release show is gonna be November 2nd. At Gradwell House in Haddon Heights, New Jersey, it'll be a very intimate setting inside the studio that all the songs are recorded in. Is there tickets for that? Yes. I'm yeah. checking to see if I got to work right now. November second. November second. Um, I want to go. I think there's. A I'm off. There you go. So it's Saturday, November second is the show. Yes. yes. So we're gonna get the album on the 19th, and how and how do we get to listen to the album? Uh, I believe it'll be released on Bandcamp. Okay, so you download it? Yeah. Um, I'll check today. Like, It's probably going to be on iTunes as well. Um, yeah, all right. But yeah, it's definitely going to be on Bandcamp. Um, I think there's... I think there's a song on Spotify, and I think there's a song on Bandcamp right now. Yeah, that that's the same song, right? Or is it two different I songs? They might be two different songs. Oh, no check. kidding. Yeah. I got to go back and look at that. Yeah, the, the, I can't... I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the, the one you released, but it... One is um, you also have like a little video with it or something. Yeah, one is Couch Burner. Yeah, that's it. And the other one I believe is called 
Pump and Shapes. Okay, I didn't hear that I one. Think, I think that's the one that's up on Spotify. I have to double check. That, that song is just the couch burner. I love it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. Uh, you, so October 19th, the, people could download. Mm-hmm. So um, you're gonna, you guys are going to be putting out information. So everybody should follow on Instagram, Desert Hands. Also follow Jamie Pinto at Jamie Pinto. Yeah. And, be, I mean, I'll be putting it out as well. Yeah. Um, so and, and then hand stuff will be on the Instagram. Basically, okay. just just follow us on Instagram. Both, yeah. You know both things. All right, and then to be able to get the tickets, um, they'll go on sale on what? You know, uh, I actually, we'll find out. I'll, I'll find we'll out. find out. Yeah. yeah. All right, no problem. Um, yeah, and then uh, lastly. Before we sign off, um, you are a steel mace flow coach, uh, like certified educator, right? Like that's what you guys call yourselves. You're you're actually able, on the team. yeah, and people can actually I go can online. So wherever you are in the world, yeah, yeah, we can go through the online course in six sessions, um, and you can get certified. Uh, when you go on the online course, once you complete the course, you get the white certificate, right? Um, but if you want to test out for with honors, then, um, you know, basically you have to do your uh, 500-360s right into your masterclass flow while I, while I watch you. And then that gets sent to Leo and Serena for them to review it. And, you know, depending on what they think and what they say, and then you can be tested out with honors nice but, uh, yeah I didn't, even, I didn't even talk about that like man that was like when they when they told me i was going to be on the team i like i it blew you away yeah yeah it did like I, well I, you're a modest guy you know you 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 take everything in stride but i could definitely see it you know and i'm sure everybody else listening can agree your your form the, the way you move you know you're so knowledgeable about the modality I could see it, but you know, of course, you're you're like a kid opening up a Christmas present, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, it just like they they basically gave me a chance to be a hero, and I'm I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, so, I think it's a good pick. I think you're a good fit. Yeah, you know? thank. You. I I really appreciate that. I I I don't take it lightly. Oh, I know. Like, yeah. I don't. My whole everything has changed since they put me on the team. Now my my mission is for the team. Yeah, you know like that's the, a good feeling, right? Yeah, yeah, and you got good people to work with. I mean, you know, yeah, Ben and and Leo, yep. and Ben, Jeff. Leo, Brennan, Jeff, Zach, um, Adam, Serena, Nat. Um, who else am I forgetting? Wow, my my brain is kind of shot right I now. I think I think you hit everybody. <laughs> Did I hit everybody? Yeah. You said Jeff, Jeff, Ben, Zach, Adam. Brandon, Leo, Serena, Nat. I think that's everybody. And yeah. then there's me. Yeah. If there is anybody, he, he, he didn't forget you because he doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been already a long day. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you got everybody. But, yeah, so um, – and, and how's that going for you so far? You're doing it on Zoom, right? Yeah. Um, we've, we've, you know, we've had some – this – this uh this September we we had we would have like two meetings a week and like going through like uh how we're you know how we're gonna do the program with with people and stuff like that and um you know just like where steel mace flow is headed and and things of that nature and um yes yeah, 
it's in a really good place. It's in a really good accessible place for everybody. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I was, I was lucky enough to have Leo as my coach going through the online program, but there's a lot of people out there that went through the online program that didn't have a coach. So now when you go through the online program, you can have a coach. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, so I when I went through the program, I didn't have a coach. I just yeah. So now you download the program. It's on your computer, but you're also doing Zoom calls yes. with the person yeah. while they're doing it on their own. So they have their homework, uh-huh. and then you're doing a one call a week. However, like, however. It or it's six, six hours. It's, it's six yeah. calls. Okay. Yeah. So. And you're able to use, you could see what they're doing. Yeah. They stand back from the camera, yeah. and then you watch, and then you tell them do yeah. a little bit of this, a little less of that, whatever whatever needs to to yeah. shore them up. Basically, I, like to me, it's it's just a classroom with one on one classroom online. Yeah, I would I would coach somebody just how I coach them right in front of me in a class. Yeah, right. So it's it's not difficult. I I do it all the time. Yeah, you know, um, but I think that's. That's a dynamic that people definitely need with the online course. Right. Um, that's going to really make a, a big difference for a lot of people's practice. So and yeah. it's just going to solidify a lot more people. Yeah, I could attest to that in this way. Uh, before I downloaded the SMF program, I did uh, – well, I was training under Ken Potis, right? So he had been – he saw Leo at one of his first workshops up in New York uh, like a couple years ago. And then um, I went to New York City to um, uh, Steve and Birch and Braun. Steven's fucking amazing. Yeah. I, well, I saw him. I said, I want to visit this guy. Yeah. So I took the, the day, and it was like a hassle going to New York City, parking. Yeah. I spent a lot of money um, just to get an hour with him. Yeah. And that was before I did the SMF. So he put me through like a three-step flow, and uh, we, we did, you know, um, uh, we did some mobility stuff. And when I got to the SMF and with a little bit of background that Ken had given me, I was really able to dive into it. So I think that that's a great feature that people should definitely jump on, especially if they could get a a coach like you, um, with the way you mindfully handle things, you you could clearly see that that they're going to grow leaps and bounds coming out and make it more worthwhile. Yeah. So how do people, uh, hook, hook up with that and, and, um, Make that happen. Um, they can just hit, just DM me on Instagram. Okay, Jamie Facebook. Pinto. Yeah. All right. And uh, I'd be happy to be somebody's coach. So. Cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. That's um, why I do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you're happy. Yeah, yeah, you you enjoy it. So that's and that's another important thing. You know, pick a coach is that that's gonna ha- be happy. Yeah. Not like like what they want to be somewhere else in 15 minutes and they're looking at their watch, right? Yeah. I like. Yeah. I can definitely say that like. Like Leo has taught us to over deliver, but I've been over delivering my entire life. You're already used so, to that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But over deliver, I love it. Yeah, you have to. Like I was, I was kind of raised that way to like to give. Yeah, you know. So I, I'm not. There's no. There's nothing strange about that for me. It's like I want each person to reach their full potential. So I would do everything in my power to help somebody reach their full potential. Nice. So yeah. All right, man. Yeah, th- this is a great conversation. I really wish we could keep going. There's so much more we could talk about, but that's the way it always is. Yeah, you know, more to come later, part two, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But otherwise, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it, and good luck to all your endeavors. The the music, the SMF coaching, I think it's going to go well for you. 
Um, you know, and I'm gonna continue watching you and enjoying. So yeah, put out some more of those cool videos. That absolutely. I, I like those those trails, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm so an awesome. entertainer. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Tune in next time for the next podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one.